0: We're uh, honored to have back again on the show Jared Diamond. He's a sports writer for the Wall Street Journal, author of the book Swing Kings, one of the best baseball books you could ever want to read. But, Jared, thanks a lot for coming on Iron Sports and talking about the lack of baseball being played right now.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's so disastrous. that (laughs) we're We're in March now, and there's still no sign of baseball in sight.
0: So I saw that you tweeted out, and you can uh, your Twitter your Twitter is at Jared Diamond, J A R E D D D I M I M O N D. And I saw where you said that a thousand of your, you know, that you keep people keep asking you questions about it, but they don't seem to be that as interested in like knowing your answers. So could you help us a little, let us know what the issues are? I mean, there's the first one, I guess, is the uh, CBT and explain that CBT, that, keep thinking that terms and everyone's like, What's C, what is CBT and what does it mean with baseball? So there
1: are two buckets that I would say are the primary issues. One of them is very simple. One of them is not as simple. So I'll start with the simple one. The simple one is that the players are seeking uh, you know, significant increases in compensation for young players, for the youngest players in the union. That will be done when this is all said and done with increases in the minimum salaries. Last year, the minimum salary was $570,500, uh, which is actually the lowest of all the professional sports in the United States, the major ones. They're looking for a big increase there. Also looking for the creation of a bonus pool that would be paid out to young players based on their performance. So, for example, a guy like, say, Pete Alonso of the New York Mets, last year his salary was about 600000 and change. He made a million dollars for winning the Home Run Derby, which makes no sense, obviously. <laughs> and this pool of money would, be, would help guys like that, or guys like Juan Soto, these guys that are clearly just superstars who are still making close to the league minimum. That's very easy, and all they're trying to figure out is what are those numbers, and that will get settled. The more complicated issue is what you just mentioned, which is the luxury tax, also known as the competitive balance tax, which is a mechanism that teams that spend over certain payroll thresholds get taxed. They have to pay tax, on the amount over they spend on certain pre-established payroll limits. This is in lieu of a salary cap in baseball. Of course, baseball does not have a salary cap. The players believe that the luxury tax, which was originally designed to curb runaway spending, to stop teams from outspending all the others by wide margins, has been used by owners more recently as a de facto salary cap, and they are seeking significant changes to how that tax operates. So that is the issue that is ultimately, to me, the thorniest in this dispute. If when they settle the luxury tax issue, all the other issues, the one I mentioned, the dozens, others that I didn't mention, I honestly believe all those other ones would be settled in a couple of days once they get the CBT issue figured out.
0: And the one thing about it is we're used to like the cap in football, the cap in baseball, even the cap in hockey. This is not – there's no floor in this. I mean, that's the thing that I think people have hard on putting their arms around in baseball is that's why – well, wait, the, why are the Pirates only spending $60 million next year or $50 million, and when the, when the Dodgers are spending 250 or $260, the, there is no floor. There's just, a, there's just a ceiling, really. Or it's not even really a ceiling.
1: Well, that's how the players feel, that the ceiling was not supposed to be a ceiling. You know, when the CBT was established, The current version of the CBT, the basic framework of it, was installed in 2002 in the 2002 collective bargaining agreement. At that time, the Yankees had just won three World Series in a row. They had played in four straight World, you know, they played in four World Series in a row, uh, and five out of six or whatever it was, 98. You know, we could, you all remember what the Yankees did. And at that time, I'm making these numbers up, but the point remains. George Steinbrenner would spend $150 million on salary, on payroll, and nobody else was spending more than $70 million. <laughs> Those numbers aren't exactly right, but that's the basic premise. And the CBT was designed to hopefully stop that. But that's not how it's being used now. Now even teams like the Yankees and the Dodgers are, afraid, are unwilling, in many cases, to go over the luxury tax by even a dollar, even a cent. And the, the owners have sort of decided – I guess I can't say they've decided. They, they all individually came to the conclusion on their own that maybe we shouldn't be paying luxury tax, so they're just not. And part of this is the players' fault. The players negotiated a deal in 2016 that included very, very harsh penalties for teams that went over the luxury tax multiple years in a row. That was a mistake by the players, it turns out. They made a bad deal, and now they're trying to undo some of what they negotiated into the last contract. And if you know anything about how labor works, it is very easy to negotiate things into the contract. It is very hard to get them out once you've negotiated them in. And that's, in many cases, the core of this dispute, where the owners are very happy with the status quo, and the players are like, no, 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 we need to roll things back.
0: And what do they talk about? There's a thing called service time manipulation when the players are brought up in May and June, they're not brought up in April. And and how does that fit in with this entire collective bargaining agreement negotiation?
1: Yeah, this is is certainly an issue. And I sort of put this in the same sort of bucket of of the luxury tax and that bucket being competition issues, Uh, issues that uh, involving teams not competing, not trying to win year in and year out. And service time manipulation is an example of that, where what we've seen in recent years um, is teams who have top prospects say, well, you might, they won't say this, but the prospects are major league ready. But instead of having them start the season in the major leagues, they will send them back down to the minors for a month or three weeks. Because if they do that, they then delay that player's free agency by an entire year just by holding down the minors for a few weeks. And obviously the poster child of this is Chris Bryant with Chicago when he was the best prospect in baseball was clearly major league ready and they left him in the minor leagues until literally the day after he had lost a, he, he no longer was capable of getting a full year of service back in uh, 2014 I think it was or 15 whatever it was And we all know he won Rookie of the Year his first year. He won MVP in his second year. It was quite flagrant what the Cubs did. So the union is now trying to negotiate in some mechanisms that would incentivize teams calling up their best prospects on day one. And this is a really true phenomenon. If if everybody remembers, around this time last year, the president of the Seattle Mariners kind of went viral and ultimately got fired because... while speaking to a local group, a Rotary Club or some group in Washington, acknowledged publicly that they were not going to call up top prospect Jared Kalenick on opening day because they wanted to preserve a year for agency. He literally said the quiet part out loud. And that really galvanized the players. And, and we'll see what they come up with, how they end up sort of litigating this. But it's certainly an issue that's on the table.
0: And the other thing is that people have been talking about is the number of playoff teams. It looks like here 12 and 14. Is it that the owners want to have more playoff teams because they make more money, and then the players want to have less because they don't really get paid as much for the playoffs?
1: Yeah, all of that is true. The owners want a 14-team playoff. They uh, have already sold a 14-team playoff to ESPN for $100 million a year. My understanding is that if it turns into a 12-team playoff, that would become $85 million a year. So it's a $15 million difference over the life of the deal. It's not a ton, but it's it's $15 million a year for X number of years. It's not nothing. Uh, the players want 12, and there's a few reasons for that. But one of the biggest reasons is that the players want to make sure that the playoffs don't become too diluted. The idea of an expanded playoffs for the players, there's positives for the, playoff, for the players because – more playoff teams could if executed correctly inspire more competition among teams more teams would say well i gotta go for it i gotta sign that free agent i gotta make that big trade at the trade deadline because we have a chance of making the playoffs and maybe in the old system we didn't but the problem becomes if it becomes so easy to make the playoffs, you end up in a situation say like the nba where suddenly there isn't much value to making the playoffs because There isn't a lot of value to getting that lower seed. The other thing the players are very concerned about with this is that they want to make sure teams that do well in the regular season are rewarded for their efforts. They don't want a situation where the playoffs become super random, where you're putting 14 teams in and any of them have a chance to win. They want to make sure the players care very deeply about the teams that, if you win your division or if you win 100 games in the regular season, that you have a better chance of winning the World Series than the team that sneaks in with eighty three wins. And if you watch baseball, you know that postseason baseball has a lot of randomness to it. Right. And in right. unlike other sports unlike in other sports, you could take the worst team in baseball, put them up against the best team in baseball in a seven game series, and there's a decent chance that the worst team would win four out of seven games. Because that's how baseball works. So that's another reason why the players are a bit concerned with the larger postseason. Although this is just me talking, I don't think it's the deal breaker. I think if they feel like they could get wins in other areas, they will agree to the 14 team plan. Ultimately, that's just that's just my sort of my opinion. I'm not. They wouldn't say that publicly, but that's how I sort of view it.
0: And one last thing is about the rule changes we keep hearing about, um, potentially a pitch clock, uh, bigger bases, I, I don't know where that where the call for bigger bases was, No shift, the, limiting the shifts, and then the most important one that people will understand is, this has gone my entire life, it's been the National League American League, the DH, and now there'll be a universal DH, and those are some of the rules that we expect, if they come to resolution, that this would be in the, this coming year, perhaps.
1: Well, it would be a little bit different. The, the DH will be immediate. The DH will be in the National League in 2022. That is 99.9% certain uh, that there will be a DH in the National League this upcoming season. Both parties won it. It worked out okay in 2020. The other rule changes probably will not happen in twenty two, but are likely to happen in twenty three, assuming things proceed the way they appear they are proceeding. One of them, like you said, is a ban on shifts. Uh, That would require there to be two infielders on each side of second base, and infielders would be required to start on the dirt. No more second base than playing shallow right field. The idea being that would lead to more batted balls that turn into hits, uh, which would inspire more contact, maybe a little less swinging for the fences. Um, Excuse me. Uh, And you mentioned the other ones. The larger bases issue, that's Mostly an injury prevention uh, rule more than anything else to try to stop uh, guys from clipping each other, from runners from running into first basemen, things like that. That's the primary reason for that one. And the big one is the pitch clock. And that to me, it's it's long overdue. It is time for a pitch clock. It is proven in other levels of baseball to have a big impact on the time of game. And I very much welcome that uh, whenever it comes.
0: So we've been talking to Jared Diamond, the baseball writer for Wall Street Journal, and so, Jared, what is your your uh, crystal ball view of what will happen in the next, I guess, week or 10 days? Is this something that could get settled, or do you think this might drag on for a while?
1: Look, I want to believe it's going to be sooner rather than later. I don't think it's going to be settled tomorrow. Um, you know, don't hold me to this. My predictions about this have been repeatedly wrong, but... I am sort of eyeballing, sort of a May first, first week of May opening day. That is my uninformed prediction. Well, it's informed, but it's not it doesn't mean it's right. But if they'll get this done sometime in March. They'll get spring training going, you know, right at the beginning of April, end of March, and uh, it'll, they'll play starting in early May. I hope it's early, I hope it's earlier than that. I desperately hope I am wrong, but that's sort of what I see
0: right now. But like, all it
1: takes is one good meeting. All it takes is one of these guys, one of these parties, to make an offer that the other side likes, and suddenly uh, everything changes. So we'll see.
0: And we're down here in West Palm Beach, and there's four, four teams that play here plus the Mets within, like, 20 minutes away. So there's five teams. Is there any chance they'll have even a spring training for a couple of weeks, or are they going to go straight to no games and just try to start playing the, uh, the major league games immediately?
1: There's going to be a spring training. Uh, four-week spring training whether that happens in florida or in the home ballparks really depends on when this gets settled obviously if this goes on a while you're probably not doing spring training uh in florida and arizona in june or july It's just too too rainy too hot uh but if they get this settled soon and you're starting spring training in a couple of weeks i do expect them to be in in florida but it's it's really a little too soon to know
0: Wow. Okay, well, Jared, I know you're busy. You're in Fort Myers, uh, and I really appreciate you coming on uh, Iron Sports and giving us some update in terms of what the collective bargaining agreement and when we could see baseball in the near future.
1: Let us hope for the best because I'm very sad without baseball
0: right now. (laughs) All right. Thanks so much, Jared, for coming on. Thank you.